Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. This is the future of business, and we have a great topic for you today. Manufacturing and the Internet of Things. We're going to get started now. Hey, the Internet of Things for manufacturers can be, wait for it, wait for it, confusing. We admit it. We want to talk about it. Some people consider IOT, that shorthand for Internet of Things, they think of it as a passing fad, but some people say, wow, it's the next big wave in manufacturing B2B. There's still another camp that says traditional M2M, machine-to-machine manufacturing connectivity, that's the IOT. Then we have other people on the sidelines saying, ah, IOT is new and separate, and others say, it's continuing a trend from a few years ago. Not so new, not so big, it's just here to stay, but it's part of our business world. We want to clear up this tumult, I love that word. So we're going to explore the opportunity that Internet of Things holds for tomorrow's manufacturers, because today's show is the future of business. In terms of business simplification, that's a big theme, a big trend for businesses all over the world. It's merits, it's benefits. We're going to share some use cases, and we We have to, of course, tell you some of the roadblocks. We have a panel of experts who are prepared to share their thoughts, their point of view, their expertise. So let's get started. First up is Joe Barkai. He's an independent manufacturing industry analyst. And Joe sent me the following quote in his own words. For there to be an Internet of Things, someone has to put the Internet in those things. Then those things have to be placed on the Internet and connected in a manner that realizes a meaningful and worthwhile business value. That's a mouthful. Welcome, Joe Barkai. How are you? Good morning, Bonnie. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. Interesting quote. Great way to start the topic. Explain. What are we talking about here? Right. So... You, you mentioned the bits and pieces that perhaps um, are making the IoT, but for me, the value of IoT, the way I see it is to have large number of devices that are instrumented, connected in a way that bring new value, uh, new economic um, impact, new business models. In a way, I sometimes think about it, if I can borrow a phrase from social networking, which in mm-hmm. itself is another way to look at the connectivity, uh, in this case, among people. I want to think about the IoT as the wisdom of things or wisdom of stuff, wisdom of assets. And then, of course, not only connected devices, but also connected people. So it's really the wisdom of things that I'm looking for when I'm thinking about the IoT uh, and the opportunity. So in a way, what we used to call M2M, connecting uh, individual devices, as you mentioned earlier, is really not the IoT yet because it doesn't have the scale, the economic impact, the, the value that I'm, I'm looking for in connecting multiple assets. So it begs the question, how do we connect those devices together? How do we reach a critical mass? And to me, we're not there yet because devices were not really designed by and large to be connected in such a way. Devices are not um, designed to connect to each other, perhaps one-to-one to the back office, but not together. And I'm sure that we'll explore this topic together. So I'm looking for a way to create critical mass of connected devices that provide the wisdom of things, if this makes sense. 
I love the idea of the wisdom of things, and that's such an important word, Joe. That's why we have the panel here today, and we have to do a shout-out, of course, to David Fowler at SAP Services, who, who assembled this panel and this topic for our Future of Business series. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in wonder, and knowing, what do you think about all of the different camps I mentioned? The next big wave, it's traditional, it's been going on for a while, it's new and separate, hasn't come yet, it's a passing fad. doesn't sound to me like you agree with the passing fad camp. Just briefly, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? No, you're absolutely right. No, it's not a passing fad. At the same time, I don't think it's going to change manufacturing as we know it tomorrow. I think that we'll see more of it in the consumer-level devices, maybe connected home, connected health. I don't see this changing manufacturing yet because, as I alluded to earlier, the manufacturing industry is not ready to be connected. And if we have time, I can mention some facts as far as where we are in terms of um, investment in manufacturing, in terms of the age of assets. But overall, we are in, we are in the beginning of the wave as opposed to being at the, the top um, of the impact. Great intro, Joe. And I do want you to mention the, the statistics, the numbers, when we get to the roundtable, because you will be my opening speaker after the break. So please, we'd love to share some numbers. Everybody loves numbers. Those are our, our takeaways. So thank you very much. Great start. I'm going to bring on our second panelist. It's- and he says his name much more lyrically than I do. He's an SAP technical manager working at Green Tweed. And Girish sent me the following quote. The Internet of Things is making manufacturing relevant again. The key word is relevant. Girish, welcome. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, so Thank you for having me. We're delighted. Um, Talk to me. Relevancy. And, and basically, my question is, is manufacturing not relevant? When did it stop being relevant? Talk to me. Well, well, relevant in the sense it's making manufacturing a significant part. Um, with IoT, now we have the ability to basically connect any object with an IP address within the existing um, Internet infrastructure. So what this has done to manufacturing is that there is a big change on the shop floor. You know, in, in the past, or it's been very common for a salesperson to be moving around with a mobile device, you know, uh, looking up uh, things, you know, trying to act on the information that, that that person sees on the mobile device. Now, the same thing is happening in manufacturing, where we have the manufacturing supervisors, manufacturing managers walking around on the floor, reacting to the, um, the, the situation, um, addressing the issues. So this is what, you know, this is the dramatic change in the sense on a shop floor, you're, you're, we are using a lot of technology. The, the, the concept of plan to enterprise is now becoming a reality because now we can connect from the lowest level in the plant to an enterprise level system. So that's, that's helping in a way to make the manufacturing processes more efficient as well as uh, you know, responding or being adaptive to the demands and being adaptive to the situations. And then with, also with these technology components, uh, there is simplification. You know, the simplification makes, uh, makes it easy for everyone, and especially from a manufacturing perspective, the manufacturing people should be manufacturing the parts, not really worrying about how to use or how to navigate a technology component. So now with the, with the simplification, it's much more easy. They can still use the technology, still get the benefits of the technology. Um, you know, this, this is causing them to be a really inspired employees of the company. 
So that's that's why uh, I use the term. It's the manufacturing is becoming relevant. You know, it's it's in the sense it's becoming more significant part of a company's culture. Thank you, Girish. Great addition to our intro. And I love where you say become an a inspired member of a team, of a company. That we, we do shows on branding all the time on some of our other SAP Game Changers radio shows. And we talk about that inspiration to be part of the brand, to make the company strong, to live whatever the company stands for. So thank you for bringing that up. Appreciate that. And, of course, we have to talk about simplification. So looking forward to hearing more from you in the roundtable. And let's bring on our third panelist. It's Sam Castro. He's a director of responsive marketing at SAP. And Sam sent me a quote from Robin S. Sharma. I had to look up the name. He's a Canadian author of 12 global bestsellers and a former litigation lawyer and leadership expert. Here's the quote, very simply, what gets measured gets improved. Love that. Sam Castro, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Bonnie. And I'm actually part of the responsive manufacturing team here at SAP. Um, and, and for me, you know, what... What the what Joe had mentioned about around wisdom of things, or even a thing sourcing kind of concept that he had mentioned on the social network piece, um, the inspiration of employees that Goresh had talked about, you know, all comes back to you know, being able to include systems and processes in a way that that just makes sense for people to do their job and understand what they have. To do. You know, people don't wake up in the morning and say, "Well, I'm going to do a bad job." You know, they they wake up in the morning and they say. You know, I'm going to accomplish something today. I'm going to do something important. I'm going to make an impact on something today. And being able to enable that type of um, that type of motivation and, and really in, ensure that you're pulling that back and capturing that into your business processes, into the workflows, uh, into a continuous feedback stream for those employees enables them to be more productive, and and more satisfied uh, with their jobs and and, and with you know, what the different their purpose is within an organization. So you know, I really see a lot of you know, Internet of Things moving from a consumer's consumer side, which is where Joe had had mentioned its 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 big start into the manufacturing and into the industrial side, just because of that you know sim- simplified use case very intuitive interactiveness that you get. Mm-hmm. And also you know, the fact that we have a lot of uh, machines already online on the manufacturing space, uh, it just makes sense to, to really tie those in with broader processes and broader systems. That's exciting. Am I allowed to say the word exciting in relationship to manufacturing, Sam? Is that, is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope so by now. You know, we have a lot of, a lot of really cool things happening in manufacturing, you know, Fat size or lot size of one, you know, tailored to an individual customer's buying mm-hmm. patterns, travel patterns, um, and and really being able to tailor it even to people in the similar demographics as well. So not just that individual person; they may not even know what they want until they see what other people like them have have purchased in the past. Very well put. And we, we talk about personalization on, on topics on some of our other Game Changer shows, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, it's it's no longer necessary to uh, to feed the masses. It basically is necessary to be able to say to the customer, you want it that way? Okay, we can give it to you. Very, very important part of the new wave of branding as well. Thank you, Sam. I have a very tough question for my three panelists. I know you're prepared. Can't wait to hear your answers. What's in your cup today? Or what do you wish you were drinking 
right now. Let's go back to Joe Barkai. Joe, <laughs> what are you drinking? Come on, give me okay. a story here. Uh, okay, so let me first give you an interesting quotation that I saw a while ago. The quotation goes something like, no matter what historians claim, BC really stands for before coffee. So <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now after my coffee. I no longer have coffee in my cup, I just have water. But I know, Bonnie, you're interested in good coffee, and I've got to tell you that one of the best coffees I ever had was actually in Vietnam, which was very surprising to me. I guess really? Kind of, yeah, I guess it's maybe heritage from the French colonialism and some local plantation and, and so on. So a quick trivia here. Um, I just found out when I was in Vietnam that Vietnam is actually the largest coffee producer in the world, not what we tend to think about Brazil and other countries. And one last quick tidbit there. Um, Vietnam, as well as some other countries in the area, have the reputation of having the most expensive coffee in the world. I think that in the West it's sold for like $30 or $40. I really don't think that here on this SAP radio I can talk about how this coffee is being made, but I encourage the listeners, I guess, to Google, look up Visit, um, Civit, rather, C-I-V-E-T coffee. Uh, and I know that once you looked it up and you find out what this coffee um, or how this coffee is made, you want to know if I had ever drank it when I was in Vietnam. So my answer is no, I've never drank it, but it's an interesting way of making coffee. And I'll stop with that. So we got. Wow. You know, we, started, we started with two um, Vietnamese coffee trivia. I love it. I love it very much. I'm tweeting here. Joe Barkai says the best cup of coffee is in Vietnam. I'm just going to leave it at that, and David can add to that if he wants, okay? Yeah, and, and look, look up Civet Coffee. Is that C-I-V-E-T, Civet? Yes, yes, C-I-V-E-T. Civet. There's, there's an animal named Civet. I know that. That's, very good. You got it. That's exactly it. It's the animal. I want to be on uh, what's the, the the game show? Yes. Okay, we'll go back to that another time. Girish Hegdi. <laughs> I can't ask you to top Joe Barkai's story, but go for it. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not going to top Joe, but uh, what, what I'm drinking right now is a Yorkshire tea. So it's actually from, uh, I, I, was, I was in Nottingham, England last week, and whenever I go to Nottingham, I bring myself uh, a boxes of tea. You know, my favorite one is Yorkshire tea. And I, I got it, and it's, it's really nice, uh, you know, one of the, one of the nice, flavorful teas, you know, even though I'm, mm-hmm. I'm from India, you know, I'm very much used to drinking different varieties of tea. This is one of my most favorite tea. And along with the Yorkshire tea, I'm actually snacking on a flapjack. I'm not sure if you, if you know it's the, what, what a flapjack is. It's more I do, I do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Tell it's, us. It's a, it's a traditional uh, British or British snack, I would say, you know, and, and I love it. That's one of my favorite uh, combination, you know, Yorkshire tea with uh, uh, snacking on a flapjack. And that's what I'm I, right I love it. I thought flapjacks were an American invention. They're really just pancakes. And I think they, I'm guessing they just said, would you flip it over, Jack? And they said, flapjack. I'm going to have to look that up. We are filled with great trivia today. Girish, thank you. I, I consider these stories gifts with a red ribbon around them. So thank you, Sam Castro. I don't know what you're going to do, but it's your turn. So talk to us. What are you drinking? I'm going to have to almost go with the, with the very plain response. It's just because my story is just not never going to live up to, to what we just heard out of the, the previous two. For me, it's a, it's a half full cup of coffee uh, that is black, nothing in it, very plain, run-of-the-mill, just a get-up-and-go juice for the morning and, you know, here for here for the discussion. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you two questions. Uh, does it have a brand, and what kind of a cup are you drinking it in, Sam? I'm not sure. letting you off the hook quite so fast. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a, a again plain coffee cup, and it's a the Starbucks breakfast blend for the morning. That's what we wanted to know. Okay, brands are welcome on the show. Thank you, Sam. I have a report here from Stephanie R. Thomas, who is tweeting along with us. Says she's drinking a coffee blend from Trader Joe's. We have another blend, and Dave Dave Fowler is drinking Twinings. I never know whether to call it Twinings or Twinnings because it has two ends in the middle. I'll say Twinnings peppermint tea and all they let me drink on show days is plain water no caffeine for bonnie what can i tell you we're off to a great start our topic today is manufacturing in the internet of things is it here yet is it coming are we talking about scaling to one to one are we talking about big process is it a fad i think we've already decided it's not is it going to make manufacturing more relevant and exciting and inspire workers we have a lot on the table already our panelists today are joe barkai an independent manufacturing industry analyst girish hegdi an sap technical manager at Green Tweed, and Sam Castro, director of responsive manufacturing at SAP. And guess what? It's time for us to go to break. My panelists have certainly earned a chance to have a sip, so we're going to go right out for about 90 seconds. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Bread out. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of business with Game Changers. Welcome back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm, I plan to be for the rest of the show, too. I'm talking today with Joe Barkai, Girish Hegdi, and Sam Castro. Our topic today is manufacturing and the Internet of Things. We're going to start our roundtable. Let's see. We're going to have about 25 minutes straight through. We're going to start it off with Joe Barkai, an independent manufacturing industry analyst. And, Joe, I want to talk a little bit about where do we come from in manufacturing, some statistics on the current state, maybe looking back over the shoulder a little bit, and then let's go into 
what is the ecosystem in terms of current Internet of Things ecosystem and device connectivity in the manufacturing field specifically? So, Joe, why don't you get us started, please? Sure. Um, and, and it, you know, Girish in his comment earlier talked about connectivity, about simplification, and it all makes perfect sense when we try to build the Internet of Things. But I spent some time looking at the the industry, the state of industry, is it really ready to be connected? Are devices connectable, as it were? And people may not know that, but the average age of industrial equipment in the U.S. has risen above 10 years. It's the highest or the oldest um, point since 1938. So we have very, very old equipment, relatively speaking. That really means that many of these devices are not able to connect to the Internet, let alone provide the data that we need in order to get the value that we talked about earlier in the intro, the value of IoT. Uh, furthermore, if you look at the uh, capital spending in the industry, in the manufacturing industry, it's growing at a very, very old, slow pace. I think it's about 3% per year growing investment, which really means that we are not catching up with the age um, of the um, industrial equipment. And it's not only industrial equipment. Uh, I looked at the power generation industry because this is one of the um, opportunities for IoT, at least we think so. Um, about 50% of the U.S. power generation capacity is at least 30 years old. So that, mm. that's very significant, meaning they are not connectable. They are not participants in the IoT yet. They are not really able to provide what I need, I guess, to, to demonstrate the uh, wisdom of things. And one last point there on statistics, and then I'll, I'll let the others chime in. Uh, mm -hmm. We talked a lot about connected cars. It's not exactly manufacturing, but it's one of the opportunities, one element that everybody talks about. Uh, this is a, a statistic that surprises many people, but I work in that industry a lot, and I kind of look at this on a daily basis. The average age of passenger and light-duty cars in the U.S. is 12 and, a half, 12 and a half years. It's a dangerous statement because it's the average versus the median. The median is much lower, mm -hmm. yet it really means it takes a long, long time to get to the point that we have critical mass of connected devices that we can then therefore can bring the value of connectivity. And, and let's Joe, pause here. Yeah, Joe, I, I want to ask you a question before we get, we're going to ask Girish and Sam, of course, to chime in. My question is, are you implying, are you coming right out and saying, Joe Barkai, that manufacturers need to have a massive investment to bring their equipment up to, I'll use the word par advisedly, par with what's required to be connected, and they have to go through and re-up their power supply so that they can power the new equipment? Are we talking about a massive reinvestment in manufacturing? I think that we're talking about a smart, massive investment because ah. I don't think that everything has to be replaced uh, on, you know, right now because, again, some of these assets perhaps are not as critical to bring the value that both Girish uh, and Sam talked about. So I think that manufacturing companies will have to divide their investment in kind of three buckets. One would be uh, devices that let them just age, uh, and, and until they need replacement, we're not touching them. Other types of assets where we may wouldn't have when we may want to consider retrofitting because we can see the value. And then the third bucket, and obviously they're not equal size buckets, the third one is devices that really needs to be um, built, put on the Internet today because the immediate value um, is, is, is worthwhile uh, an investment. Thank you very much, Joe. Girish Hegde, talk to me. We have a lot on the table here. What are your thoughts on what Joe shared, and do you have any other numbers you'd like to put out there for our listeners? Well, Joe, Joe, your your statements uh, are uh, quite true. In fact, you know, I think you know if you 
from from where I'm working, where I, where I work today, we are a 150-year-old manufacturing company. So we, we do have a lot of equipments that are very old. However, there are several of those uh, old equipments we still have been able to connect to the Internet by making, um, making or, or trying to do some retrofits. I mean, there are several equipments which we just cannot connect, but there are several equipments that which we could connect. So uh, I think it, it, is, it needs to be looked at on an equipment-by-equipment perspective. You know, how much of them can you actually retrofit? Because now there are a lot of technology or, or um, uh, devices available that will allow us to retrofit an old equipment so that old equipment can come into the world of IoT. Thank you, Girish. Uh, Sam Castro, what are your thoughts on this? Sure, and I, I go back to, to my opening statement of what gets measured gets improved and, and letting that build the business case for the investment into the IoT technology. So manufacturers that start to adopt the industry 4.0 and the smart manufacturing methodologies around process improvements, around um, process control, visibility, performance management at the manufacturing level very quickly realize that where the existing holes in their data sets live, right? Where where the manual data entry um, starts to start to take take hold and cause you know tremendous overhead for a business and cost for a business as well, just to generate simple and basic reports that could be driven from the automation layer, and that type of continuous feedback uh, helps businesses build build use cases to identify what fits into which of the three buckets that Joe identified earlier, right? What, what assets do you, you, you just wait till they're, they're no longer relevant and fully replaced? Which ones do you invest into retrofit? Uh, and then also, you know, obviously, which ones are you going to replace up front because of the huge value add in process efficiency and invisibility uh, that you get out of having that new device in place? Right. Thank Although you, Sam. I, 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 I yeah. would like to, to suggest something here because I think that mm-hmm. we gravitate naturally towards the connectivity part of IoT. And, and I think that the, the statement about all devices notwithstanding, connectivity is really becoming lower lower barrier. I mean, um, we are very close to the point where everything and certainly everybody is kind of a roaming IP node in an ever-presence uh, in cloud of Internet. Connectivity is almost a commodity, what used to be a problem when I was really building devices is now a commodity. So it's really not a problem. The problem, the way I see it, or the challenge the way I see it, is in really data exchange. The fact that devices can, be, can exchange data on the Internet does not really mean that the recipient of the data, unless there's an agreement, as it were, or a broker, I understand it. So I'm talking about data taxonomies. That means, do I, mean, do I understand the meaning of the data as opposed to can I read data? And this is where mm-hmm. the problem or this perhaps is the differentiation between the M2M point that you mentioned earlier and IoT. M2M is very much one device at a time to a back office application. So we create a known conduit and we can exchange data. Whereas in the IoT one, we have disparate devices uh, sharing their own perspective of the, the world, the manufacturing line, uh, the customer perspective on the same device, as I think Sam mentioned earlier. Data exchange uh, is becoming much, much more uh, critical, and, and let alone the analytics of the data. So I think that we need to focus more on the, um, not so much on the connection, on the conduit, but rather on the content of, of, uh, that flows through this conduit. 
Thank so you, Joe. Great, great point. Completely Who's agree that? the, the context around how that, that device and how that machine fits into the broader enterprise and management as equipment is, is swapped out, changed, repurposed for you know, different materials and different use cases at the manufacturing level is absolutely an important part. Uh, I, see, I see some standards uh, issues and contention at the moment in, in manufacturing, especially for some of the newer technologies like 3D, 3D printing as an example. A lot, of, a lot of 3D printers you would think would be up to snuff on all the different standards uh, that are out there in manufacturing because it is a very mature space at, at the automation level. However, you know, we see you know, highly specialized drivers and controls rather than adoption of some standards at the moment in, 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 in something like as cutting edge as 3D printing. Whereas some other uh, presses or CNC machines or things like that that have been around for a while do have those types of standards and connectivity. So I think you know, there's, a, there's a bit of a curve, if you will, on new technologies that are, coming, that, are, that are being produced at the equipment level and the standards that they actually support uh, and the ability of a, of, of a manufacturing company to support them. Thank you, Sam. Go ahead, Girish. Uh, well, the, the, the interesting thing is for me is that listening to both Sam and Joe, I think it's, it's a combination of two. You know, the, the first thing is to identify, do we need to collect data from this equipment or from anything on the floor? Because if, if, we're, if we're collecting the data and not doing anything with it, then there is no point in, you know, even going ahead with um, 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 making that device or making that machine like, connected to the IoT world. If then if, you, if we agree that we need to collect data for that, from that machine or for that particular process, the next question is to look at the equipment. Is the equipment capable of you know, collecting the data? Can we collect the data in the right format in with, with all the attributes net, net necessary to define the data? So it's a, and, and some of these old equipments, you just can't do anything with them. There is, even though you might say, okay, we would like to collect the data, but you can never go back and retrofit those equipments to be able to uh, collect and push the data to wherever we want in an electronic format. Thank you, Girish. I want to look at some of the notes Girish sent me before the show and take this in a, I want to push ahead out of this conversation about the actual equipment and the connectivity and, and uh, having the equipment in the right place and the right perspective to be able to be part of IoT and M2M. I want to talk about what the benefits are to the business. So I'm going to read something from Girish's notes. And then, Girish, would you start this, please? So the, the comment Girish sent me is, improved machine connectivity and data access delivered through the Internet of Things will further improve real-time decision-making and proactive risk management practices. There's a lot of meat on the bones in that comment, Girish. So why don't you get us started on the impact on decision-making and risk management, and then we will of course, have Joe and Sam chime in. A lot to cover here. Go ahead, Girish. Yeah, so, so the, the key thing, you know, as, as we are manufacturing a product or, or anything as per the customer requirements, now I'm going to get into the world of the manufacturing, not really into the consumables area or the retail industry area. It's, it's more, you know, the, the parts that you're, let's say you're making a part that goes into an aeroplane or let's say that goes into something else. It's, it's very important that you understand whether the, as you are making the part, is your process statistically under control? Because those are the things that the, the industry is leading right now. Our customers are asking us, is your process under control? 
you know, show me the data that tells me that the, your manufacturing process is under control. So as you're making the part, it's important that we, we collect the data and we make sure that our processes are statistically under control. And if there is anything, any kind of a, uh, a statistical alert, you know, address it immediately and take the necessary, you know, make the necessary adjustments so that you make the part and uh, with which has basically, you know, uh, will will uh, will have the necessary quality, will meet the customer requirements. So for me, it's important that we are we are getting that data and then using technology to uh, understand the data and then make some real-time decisions based on the alerts that are produced. Thank you, Girish. Sam Castro, thoughts on this? Agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. You know, management of the data, management of the process around the data, control and performance reporting off of the, that type of equipment is absolutely enormous for a business to, to understand in real time in order to make continuous improvement decisions at the speed that they need to, right? mid-production and not after the fact or the following day. So having you know, full visibility to the process is you know, absolutely important. Joe Barkai, thoughts yeah, on this? I'd Agree, like, disagree? I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd like to push back on my colleagues a little bit, if I, if I may. Please do. No, no, no one disputes the need for better statistical control, quality control. So apply, applying or implementing SPC uh, in a more rigorous way, absolutely. Uh, does machine connectivity uh, help there? Absolutely. But again, I put this more under the, under the classification of M2M. Uh, and fundamentally, what we have there is kind of shorter latency of, of data or decisions. So this is all good. We t- totally agree there. What I'm missing from this scenario is the opportunity around maybe um, a whole production line or multiple lines, or if you want to call it a fleet of machines. So what mm-hmm. kind of intelligence I can get from looking at multiple lines, multiple machines, maybe across the world in different type of uh, facilities with different uh, mix of menu labor and automation, you know, the global view of, of my manufacturing facility. And this is where I think I'm starting to draw, not the line, but the, I'm building from the M2M world to the IoT world. So I'm, I'm, I'm not quite agreeing in the sense that this is not IoT. This is really taking what we have today, retrofit a machine and connect them to the machine remotely. It doesn't help me in this wisdom of things that I would like to get to. Okay, so, time for rebuttal. Girish, talk to him. Yes. Uh, so, Joe, the, it's for the way I look at it, it is just not only the machine data. So I look at the data in two ways. One is the process data and the other one is the product data. You know, I'm coming from a, a discrete uh, industry scenario where you're actually making a part. Uh, so when you the, the machine data that, that you're getting is more for me, I treat that as a process data. You know, that's the, the temperature, the pressure, the speed of the machine. You know, what was happening at the time when you were making the part. The, the second part aspect of it, which is the product data, which is more are dimensionally oriented. So, you know, as you are making the part, you are measuring the part. So you are either measuring the part through an OGP, you are measuring the part through a CMM, or you might be measuring it, measuring it through a regular micrometer or a, or a caliper. So as you are collecting the data, both from a process data perspective as well as from a product data perspective, and when you, you can plot the data points, you can plot the product data. You know, take, take for example, um, take inside diameter as an example. You can plot an inside diameter and look at 
what is your you know um, um, statistical process here what's the how does the control chart look like what's the cpk it is performing at so you can take the action immediately once you have that information and not wait for all the manufacturing or, or not wait for the whole lot to be completely manufactured so i'm i'm looking at it in two senses one is the pro- process data which is more from the machine product data which is more from a a, a measurement aspect of the part no i, I, I think we're green certainly in, in one area where is the machine connectivity improves or shortens the latency of data of information therefore decision making which i think is very very important sam castro want you in on this uh this conversation this i'll call it a debate where do, yeah, which sure. side are you on and go I ahead the difference is between taking a a tactical approach or correcting you know a, a, a localized process and a strategic approach for correcting a business process at a global level and I think in order to do that, you do have to have uh, not only harmonized you know, local processes for the, for the manufacturing facilities, but also a global process in place that links those individual you know, production centers together. And I, I think they're both talking about the same type of process uh, improvement uh, in almost a, a short interval control. If I can take a page out of you know, some, some of the manufacturing uh, lingo and manufacturing continuous improvement processes. I think short interval control and that concept can be applied to different timescales and different levels inside of an enterprise or inside of an, an individual manufacturing facility or plant in order to drive continuous improvement in being able to look at historical data over varying periods of time, being able to apply that to continuous improvement efforts in, in predictive stuff going forward and prioritizing what is important for the now on a tactical level, but also what's important for the now at a strategic enterprise level as well. So I think that th- that type of continuous improvement process really drives, you know, who really drives the, the value back to a business at a local, but also at, a, at an enterprise level. Thank you, Sam. Joe, want to come back to Sam and to Girish before I move to one more topic before the break? Sure, sure. Let Please. me pick up on, on something that Sam said, which I absolutely agree with. Sam talked about connecting production centers or factories or even lines within a factory. I think there's tremendous value there. And I think that Sam's comment also kind of agrees with where the manufacturing industry uh, is heading overall. When I looked at the global trends in manufacturing, one of them is obviously globalization. So the ability to connect uh, facilities uh, globally, and those facilities can be uh, very different in terms of the um, manufacturing uh, capabilities. I mentioned earlier automation versus manual labor, even though you may be building the same product. These are all very relevant. I would even want to take it one step further when I see kind of the IoT um, of the future is really go outside of the manufacturing plant itself, perhaps looking into the supply chain. Again, a big trend uh, in manufacturing is investment in supply chain and supplier involvement. How about manufacturing Kanban based on IoT? Uh, And it's a big topic perhaps to cover in one show, but it's really how do you create brokers that allow me to negotiate um, supply and demand and then Kanbans uh, dynamically, which I think is, is what Gary Stoltz is kind of wanting to see, something that is much more dynamic and, and, and live uh, with fluctuation of quality, uh, supplier, um, availability, inventory, etc. Thank you, Joe. 
I want to move in one different direction. Great discussion, by the way, and to my panelists, uh, a thank you for having a debate. We don't often get into that type of a back and forth, and it's nice to see that everybody doesn't agree, at least on the surface, with everything. So thank you. Love the energy. Sam Castro, I'm looking at something in your notes to me before the show. I think this is worthy of a conversation. I'm going to read it now and have you start it, and then, of course, we'll have Joe and Girish come in. You say, Internet of Things will affect the way products are delivered to customers Customers. We've already talked about the, the, the critical mass of one-to-one. As the products will start to have callback intelligence that feeds usage and operational health data, and it goes back to the vendor to help them drive innovations into the process and re- improve product reliability. I'm interested in the data coming back to the vendor and allowing them to do better planning or to more proactively plan what to produce. Sam, you want to elaborate on this, please? Yeah, sure. So there's there's a couple of things that we start to see, especially on the in the industrial space. Uh, customers who build machines for other industries or build build devices for the consumer side of the world, uh, like a like a car, like a a lathing machine or a CNC machine or a three D printer. Right, these types of devices and equipment are being used in ways that are new or, or unplanned or have associated with them once they're sold, a certain service level agreement with the end user that the manufacturer of that equipment is going to have to adhere to and live up to in order to protect their brand name. And capturing information back into, from aftermarket, back into the PLM design, back into the manufacturing processes, merging that with quality data that was captured during the individual manufacture of that particular equipment, uh, OEM vendor scoring of all the parts that went into that piece of equipment, in addition to being able to score the design and engineering uh, specs of that piece of equipment for its actual usage in the field are all going to drive uh, manufacturers to to compete at a whole new level uh, for brand name protection uh, and in providing service back to the customers. Great you point. At- Thank you. Uh, let's see. We're going to go to break in about three minutes. So I want to ask Girish Hegde, you want to comment on what uh, Sam just brought up about the feedback to the vendor? What's your thought? Yes. In, in fact, we are, we are experiencing that. It's, it's becoming more of a, a closed-loop system um, than uh, just one-way or, or two-directional system. So there is constant responses and um, exchanges uh, going back and forth, uh, we make. I mean, you know, for in our industry, we actually make uh, some of the parts. You know, I think Sam, you, you stated it in your example where the parts go into the OEMs. You know, the the people who make those bigger uh, original equipments that go on a on um, on um, aerospace and other industries. So any any defects or any problems with the part is going gets fed back into our system. That way we can look at the the quality data that we can look, make adjustments to the the style of inspection that that we want to do to make sure that we meet the criteria of of the customer's expectation. Okay, Joe Barkai, thoughts before I go to break. Talk to me. Yes, uh, the way to maybe sum up what both Girish and Sam said is that in the past, you know, we were talking about uh, customer intimacy. Now we have means to also develop device intimacy, as said and said as Sam said. Um, you know, understanding how consumers use the products, the usage patterns, the issues, the problems, and so on. And so device intimacy, is, is, I think, is a great opportunity. 
uh, Sam also mentioned service level agreement, delivering services and so on. And I think that um, here we come to another TLA, another TLA. Uh, three-letter acronym, SLM, Service Lifecycle Management. I think the two topics, SLM and IoT, are related, and maybe, Bonnie, we should have another radio show on Service <laughs> Lifecycle Management. I'll, uh, I'll you're going to have to talk to yeah. talk to Dave Fowler about that. He owns the calendar. So, Dave, Dave's listening. And, Dave, um, Joe wants to come back on an interesting topic, a segue. Thank you. Guess what? You've all earned a break. It's 46 after. We're going to take a break, about 90 seconds. And when we come back, we're going to go headlong, headfirst into the crystal ball round. That means it's time for predictions. So I'm going to ask Joe Barkai, Girish Hegde, and Sam Castro to go out during the break. You only have 90 seconds, guys, so look fast. Find a crystal ball, polish it off, and I'm going to ask you to see if you can see clearly, maybe even blue skies, all the way to 2020. If not so much, tell me which year or which week or day or month, and tell me what will we be talking about in that future time about manufacturing and the Internet of Things. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is, by the way, Season 2, Episode 2 of our series called The Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP Services. We'll be right back after the break. Brad, out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time for our game-changing panel to take a look into the future for real. I've asked my panel to find the crystal ball during the break and come back and be prepared to project forward and predict what will we be talking about if you can see ahead, Joe Barkai, to the year 2020. What would you be talking about? What will be different in manufacturing and the Internet of Things? Go ahead, Joe. Okay, so I think that we will probably have very different uh, situation in about five years, in year 2020. Uh, what I mean by that, that the consumer IoT, if you will, will be very different than manufacturing. 
on the consumer side, I think that we'll see much more um, prevalence of, of connected devices, whether it's connected homes, connected health. Uh, and I think that what the reason for that is that we have much faster cadence of innovation, time to market new pro- new products, greater consumer adoption in this space. So we'll see a lot of progress uh, in IoT of consumers and perhaps in retail as well. And this will bring a whole new set of questions that even by 2020 will not have been totally resolved around data privacy, data use rights, things of that nature. On the other hand, on the what we discussed today in manufacturing, I don't think that by 2020 we will have seen much uh, progress, certainly not the same level of it at the um, consumer level. I, I, we talked about this earlier, the age of the assets, the slow investment in manufacturing, um, issues around data exchange, lack of data taxonomies. We talked about earlier about data standards. I sometimes joke mm-hmm. that in this industry we either have no standards or too many standards to choose from. So I think that by 2020, we will see some very, very interesting, very exciting islands of success. So we'll have some factories, some areas showing tremendous value of M2M, a little bit IoT. I don't think that we will see uh, this vision of devices connecting to devices, working independently, autonomously, exchanging data, uh, and and providing this insight that perhaps we we touched upon today. I don't think we'll be there uh, even in 2020. That's my prediction. Joe, thank you. I have, we have a little more time for you, and I wanted to ask you a question. I don't think we've addressed this in terms of what part of the world we're talking about. Is this mostly North America-centric, or are we talking about manufacturing all over the globe? Any particular countries, industries where progress is being made on this connectivity, Joe, or is it centered in certain, I'll say, centers of manufacturing around the world? Just briefly, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that, that's a great point, and, and you're right, we should have discussed this. The, the manufacturing assets in North America, in parts of Europe, uh, is, is much older, so therefore we'll see a little bit less there, although the excitement is growing. Areas where, uh, or the excitement is bigger. Areas where manufacturing is growing, primarily uh, China and India, uh, we will see this, but I don't. We'll see more investment, we'll see more digitization of the production line. I think that there will be very much along the lines of uh, Girish and Sam's description, which is machines connected to the back office, what we often in manufacturing called shop floor to top floor. And mm-hmm. I recognize the value mm-hmm. of that. I totally agree with that. But it's not the IoT the way I see the IoT. Thank you very much, Joe. And thanks for answering my question about, about geography. Let's go to Girish Hegde at Green Tweed. Girish, predictions. You want to go to 2020 or what does your crystal ball show you? Well, my, the, if I look at my crystal ball, I see uh, transformed manufacturing facilities, you know, utilizing technology to the, to the fullest, you know, being more, you know, starting or somewhere close to a journey of having an automated shop floor, um, the manufacturing facility functioning in the sense of keeping their processes under control rather than um, doing more inspections, you know, doing, uh, having a lot of rejections. So this is, you know, the, 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 avail- the availability of the technology and the ability to connect, you know, different devices uh, will transform the way we do and we look at things in manufacturing. Uh, 
it's going to be a much more automated uh, i mean i do, i do agree with some of the statements joe stated about north america and the european um, uh, locations having or manufacturing companies having lot of older equipments but i do believe that some of those older equipments can still be retrofitted and bring into the world of iot so you can connect them all together and manufacturing companies will be more um, you know uh, agile in terms of you know responding uh, to the requirements of the customer responding to the the issues associated with you know quality problems and then also i believe the manufacturing operators will no more be just the operators they would be more of a knowledge worker you know not a worker who has access to all the information at his or her fingertips because all these systems are now interconnected if the if a if a manufacturing operator wants to look up a drawing you know look up some work instructions look up uh, you know the past history for the part look up some control charts it's all available to the operator at that particular time and the operator will not have to go through the multitude of systems because now they are all connected so that's that's what my crystal ball says Thank you very much, Girish. Great to know. And Sam Castro, I can give you exactly two minutes, maybe a scotch less. So go ahead. Predictions, Sam. Sure. So I think I, I kind of agree with Joe in that manufacturing is slower on the uptake for some of the new technologies. Uh, but I also have to I also have to say that you know, manufacturing has been doing the connected machine and connected device. Uh, concepts or, or, or living up to that for a very long time now, probably, you know, 30 years where you've seen you know, manufacturing systems and technology come online and be able to work together in sort of, you know, an execution of a process. Uh, the consumer side definitely has, you know, the bigger growth potential because we just, on the consumer side, we just really haven't had that kind of focus or investment on, you know, things to be interconnected and processes driven, you know, for an end user consumer at the scale that you've already seen in the on the industrial side and you know there's definitely the 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 initial potential on the consumer side but i think you know the the longer running growth and the longer running return and and certainly much the much larger return is going to come from the continued investment and continued growth uh, on the manufacturing and on the industrial side so you may see an initial pop on the consumer side and a steady ramp, if you will, of growth on the industrial side as these technologies get cleaner, easier, and as the consumer pop starts to demand more off of the industrials and more off of the uh, from the, the automation and manufacturing level. So I think you know, that that initial pop that you, is what you're going to see from the consumer side, and that's going to drive the investment into the smart manufacturing and into the industry 4.0 um, level. And in, in, in um, area. Thank you, Sam. Great predictions. I have a quick bonus question for the whole panel, and it's a yes or no answer. No more than that, please. First, Joe, then Girish, then Sam. Will all of these advances, will this excitement around the IoT and manufacturing make it a career choice for more young people saying, wow, I want to be part of that? That's exciting. It's not just, oh, working in a factory. Joe Barkai, yes or no? Absolutely, yes. Girish Hegde? Absolutely, yes. Good, and I love this. And Sam Castro? Yes, and look, at we all agree on it. 
I, I like that a lot. This is one place I really want you to agree. Guess what? I have my predictions and they're written down. This is our last show this week. We had five hours of SAP Game Changers Radio this week. Monday, it all starts again. HR Trends with Game Changers, Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 12 noon Eastern. Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, Coffee Break with Game Changers. And then in the afternoon, we have, we have oh, the debut of the Internet of Things, our new IoT series at 3 p.m. Eastern. And Thursdays will be back here with innovating innovation with game changers because future of business is on alternate thursday sharing what can i say thank you joe barkai what a pleasure to have you on girish hegdi as well sam castro great panel great thought leaders we appreciate you shout out to dave fowler andy Grieg, stephanie thomas and uh, harry blunt is somewhere out there and thank you all for the great tweets sap services and brad and the business channel team we appreciate you and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another great week of SAP Game Changers here on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.